Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Week 2. Here we go. There's always such a battle. Battle in my mind. Am I the only one? It seems like all the time, from every direction, I'm inundated with these toxic thoughts. You're a loser. You're not good enough. You have the audacity to try to preach. No one's listening. No one cares. This won't make any real difference. Oh, gotta try to shake it off. It's time to preach. Come on, Adrian. Smile. When I was 17 years old, I had the uh, opportunity to travel to Europe with a group from my school for a one-week crash course into several cities in England and France. And one of the highlights for me, even this many years later, uh, was a town on the coast of France, familiar to many of you, uh, Normandy. Normandy. Now, now, I knew a little bit about World War II from school. I would paid attention, got pretty good grades. I knew that Normandy was the site of a pretty important battle between the Allied and German troops in World War II. But I wasn't quite prepared for what I would witness that day as I walked through the battlefield of Normandy. I wasn't quite prepared for what I was gonna see across the field as I was overwhelmed by giant holes and divots everywhere on what was otherwise beautiful green grass and birds chirping and beautiful spring day. Everywhere I looked was riddled with holes and divots. There, on that place where I stood, an estimated 425,000 lives were lost. And the earth still carries the scars, right? The earth still carries the scars from those battles. You can see the scars, but here's the deal. They don't, they don't necessarily mean what they once did where they were once an evidence of battle, now, now they are testimonies of a victory. And you know, our, our Bibles suggest, our Bibles suggest that our minds are a little bit like that. That in our minds today, we, we, we have scars. We have scars from the battles that rage within us and have raged within us for years and years and years. But, but in Christ, But in Christ, they no longer have to be signs of destruction. They no longer have to be signs of despair and brokenness. Instead, they can be reminders of what the Lord can do, how he can give us victory. Because, because here's the truth, right? Here's the truth, church. The truth is this. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Most of the battles that you and I are facing right now in our lives are won or lost 
in our minds. And this is a powerful truth that's guiding us throughout this series. Last week, we established that truth. We established that truth that what we think dictates how we live. (laughs) What we think dictates how we live. And if you don't believe that's true yet, I I pray by the end of our time together, you you will understand and uh, believe that powerful truth that, that what we think, how we think dictates how we live. And that's the truth. And that's why we're in the midst of this series. It's all in your mind because we're spending three weeks doing battle battle uh, in our minds. Let's be honest today. Can we be honest? Most of us, most of us don't really like our minds, do we? We don't. Um, Some uh, psychologists at the University of Virginia recently did a study that confirmed this. Uh, They uh, tested a group of freshmen, brand new to college campuses. We can kind of resonate with that this time of year, right? And when forced to be left alone, this group of freshmen, right? When forced to be left alone with their own thoughts. So no people, no social media, no screens, no music, nothing but their thoughts. At least half, at least half said it was a very negative experience for them. It was not a positive experience at all. And I guess, I would guess today that same statistic would be true for us. At least half of us in the room today at least half of us, if we were left alone with our own thoughts, it would not be a very positive experience. It feels like punishment or a losing battle. I know I I don't often like my mind. When I'm, when I'm worshiping, I love it. But when I'm, when I'm worrying, I don't. When I'm living in a posture of sacrifice and surrender, I love it. But, but when I'm living in a posture of selfishness, I don't. (laughs) There's a reason. There's a reason the Apostle Paul said that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're not transformed from the outside in. It doesn't start out here with all the tangible things that we see. We are transformed, Paul says in Romans 12, by the renewing of our mind. And if you were here last week, we leaned into that powerful truth. Because how we think dictates how we Live. So the question for today is, what does that look like? What does it look like to be transformed? What well, we stated last week emphatically, that we can have the mind of Christ, that he can transform us, that, that as we begin to think differently, we, we prayed, Lord, change my mind, change my life. And this week, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper to talk about what does that look like? What does it look like today where you live Where does that look like tomorrow in your schools or on your campuses or in your job or in your community? What does it look like to have our minds transformed on a moment-to-moment basis? We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 today. If you would, open up your copy of Scripture if you have it with you, if you have it on your phone. Uh, We we love version. We set up an event there every week. We set one up today with a lot of extra content that you can follow along with today or throughout the week. Would love it, though, if you would turn with me uh, just to be on the same page of Scripture this morning. The words we're going to read today are not my truth. They're not my ideas. We believe uh, that these are divine words, divine truth for our lives today. And this is the word of the Lord for us. The Apostle Paul is writing. We we read Paul last week. We're going to lean in a little bit more this week. He's writing to a church in Corinth. In just three verses today, we're going to understand a little bit more about this battle of the mind. So we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, starting with verse 
three. You know me well enough to know we'll stop a little bit throughout. We'll come up for air and uh, talk a little bit about what's happening in this passage. But lean in with me. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Pause with me for a second. And this is a battle, right? This is war language. You know, often when we look at the New Testament, we often dive in a little bit to the nuance of some of the words because the New Testament wasn't originally written in English, so sometimes we like to dive in. But what's interesting here, if you look at this word war, the original in the Greek, you know what that word means, war? It means war. (laughs) These words, weapons, you know what that means? In the original Greek, you know what those words mean? That means weapons. Like Paul is literally talking about a war. He's literally talking about weapons. And so those that were listening and leaning in are expecting kind of this dialogue, this engaging conversation on physical earthbound warfare. We're in a real war and we have real weapons, but there's something different about the weapons we have, Paul is saying. So what's the difference? Well, let's, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. What does he say? Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not like the weapons of the world. That begs the question, well, what are they like then? On the contrary, he says, they have, what's they? The weapons, the weapons we have. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have divine power This is good news for us today because because Paul is saying, if you are in Christ, man, there's something different you have. You have a different weapon than the way, we don't fight like the way the world fights. We don't have the weapons they have because our weapons, our weapons, they have some divine power. And I got to tell you, that's good news for me today because I've seen my power. I don't just mean like how much I can bench press. I mean, in my strength, in my ability and my power, I've seen the fruit of that. And I'm just here to tell you, it's not always good and it's not always good enough but we're not talking about that today. We're not talking about uh, being good enough, being strong enough. You got to toughen up. You got to, no, no, no. We're talking about relying on divine power. The battle that we're in is not about our strength, but it is about a divine power and a divine strength to do what? To demolish strongholds. This word demolish, it's to obliterate to destroy, again, this is war language, and the the power that we have at work in us is divine, and it has the power to obliterate what? Demolish what? Strongholds. Strongholds. That word literally means walls, fortresses, castles, that, that, that the power at work in us has the ability to obliterate, demolish strongholds. He's not done. Join me. Verse five, it says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. If we stopped after verse four with with this language of war, this language of a battle, this language of the divine power that we have, you would think again that we're talking about an earthly war, but then we get to verse five And we read about arguments and pretensions. And we realize that what Paul is talking about here is a very different battle, isn't it? This is not about 
the battle going on between you and someone else. This is not about the battle you might see around you or perceive around. This is a battle being waged within our minds. And Paul says the divine power that we have at work in us, that divine power has the ability to demolish strongholds and to demolish what? Arguments and pretensions. Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Any thought or idea that comes into opposition to what God said is true. The divine power at work in us has the ability to demolish those kind of strongholds. And so, and so what do we do in response? We, we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought again, again, one more time. This is a military term. One more time. This is kind of this language Paul is using where literally take captive. It's a military term, meaning that you have overcome the enemy. The enemy is now in your control. And so these thoughts that once belonged to the enemy, these thoughts that once were used by the enemy to defeat you, we have divine power at work in us to demolish strongholds and now to take captive what once the enemy had now belongs to Christ. This is, this is the imagery, this is the visual that Paul wants to give us as he talks about our mind. You see, either you control your thoughts or your thoughts will control you, right? Either, either in the divine power that we have access to in Christ, either we allow him to control these thoughts within us or our thoughts will control us. So through his power and his strength, we, we take control. That's what Paul says, take every thought captive. So, so here's, here's some good news today. Here's some good news. Did you know that just because a thought, just because a thought comes into your head does not mean it's your thought? And this is like, some of you are like, oh, this is spacey, right? No, no, think about it for a minute. Just because a thought comes into your brain does not mean it's your thought. It doesn't mean that you put it there. It doesn't mean that it's true. Think about that for a minute. Just because a thought comes into your head doesn't mean it's true. I love this quote. Martin Luther said this. It's kind of a fun way to think about it. He said, uh, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) I kind of like that, right? You can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair, building a nest in your hair. So let's just acknowledge this. There's a battle. And maybe we can't prevent all of these thoughts from flying through our brain, but we can We can control through the mind of Christ, letting these thoughts take residence within us. Are you ready for more good news? Just because a thought pops into your head doesn't mean you have to accept it as truth. Think about that. Just because... Just because you woke up today and the first thought in your head was this, and it was, it's, it's been over and over and over again in your brain, doesn't necessarily even mean that that thought is true. doesn't mean that you have to accept it and believe it. You actually have the power in Christ today. If, you're, if, you, if you are in a relationship with Christ, if you find your identity and purpose and mission in Christ, you actually have the power today to choose to choose what you believe, to choose what you allow into your mind. That's what it means to take every thought 
captive. How do we do this? I want to be really practical today. I've read this passage before, and I'm just going to be honest. This idea of taking thoughts captive, I'm like, how, how does that work? I want, to, I want to make this maybe overly simplistic today, but I want to provide what I, what I think is a, a really practical way in our lives that we can, day by day, moment by moment, take every thought captive. So first, what must we do? What must we do if we're serious today about the strongholds in our life? We're serious about the battle in our mind, and we're serious about relying on God's strength, the mind of Christ. What do we do? Well, first, first, this is so important. First, we have to ask this question, what's, what's the lie? What's the lie? What is it right now in your mind? It's a thought, <laughs> You don't know, maybe you do know who put it there or why it's there, but, but it's there constantly. And today you have the courage to say, that's not true. I think it all the time. It's there the moment I get up. It won't leave me alone. It's constantly playing over and over again, but it's not true. It's a lie. We, we must begin first by identifying what's the lie. What's the toxic thought? What's the thing that we're thinking about dwelling on? It's just not true. Craig Rochelle, author and pastor, he, he wrote a lot of really good stuff on this topic. He said this, I think this is really good. He says, you cannot change what you will not confront. You cannot change what you will not confront. And so we have to ask this question first, because if we're not willing to confront the lie in our life, how in the world can we allow the power and strength of God to change us? You cannot change what you do not confront. And so, and so we begin by asking the question, what's the lie? We'll talk about that more in a minute. The next, after we do this, after we're willing to confront, what's the lie? What's the battle in my mind? The next step is this. We ask this question, well, what does God's word say? What does God's word say about that? If we identify the lie, now we identify what's true. I know what's not true. I know what's happening every day, every moment in my brain. I know the battle that's raging within me, but now... Now that I know what's not true, what is true? What is true? So we begin by not looking at what my version of the truth is, not what popular opinion might be, but we go to God's word. What does God's word say about this lie that I believe? What, what does he say is true? I believe for so long this about me, but what does God's word say about me? I believe for so long this about the people in my life, but what does God's word say about the people in my life? We, we learn what's the lie, and now we learn what's true. And then step three is really just this. We proclaim truth over and over and over again. It's not enough to just say, well, that's the lie, and okay, that's the truth. It's every day moment by moment by moment, keeping that truth in front of us, proclaiming that truth over our lives. It means the moment I wake up, what is it that I'm looking at? What is it I'm, when I sense the battle, when I hear that toxic thought in my mind, I say, no, 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 no. I'm not going there today because this is what's true. This is what I am going to proclaim. We proclaim it again and again and again. Why do we do this? Because the lies we believe 
actually create a pathway in our brains. This is like so far beyond me, but uh, people that study science and, and, and neurology and how the brain works have proven that lies in our brain, they actually create a pathway into our brains. And in order to, to replace that lie with the truth, we literally, we literally, by God's strength, by his power, have to create a new pathway. I, I, I can prove it to you, right? Uh, we know this is true because how many of us, how many of us when we were little, something was spoken to us or about us or over us. Maybe it was in third grade at the lunch table when Susie said you were fat. Maybe it was overhearing your parent say that one sibling really is smarter than you. I don't have to tell you what it is because you can go there in your mind years and years and decades ago and you can remember that thought. Why? Because that thought, what did it do? That lie, it created a pathway in your brain and forever and ever and ever you remember that. Maybe you believe it's true because someone spoke that over you and you've never gotten over it. So we have to acknowledge these lies. They, they, they create literally a pathway in our brains. And in this process through God's strength, we identify what that lie is. We say, well, well that's, that's a lie because this is what is true. And then, and then we proclaim over and over and over again that truth as we allow God's word to create a new pathway in our brains, in our minds. Today is the day. It's time to expose the lies. So, so again, what does this look like really practically? I'll just use me as an example. I shared a little bit last week. Question number one, what's the lie? I shared this a little bit last week, transparently. The lie often for me is that, that lie of, of you're not enough. It's from the moment I get up in the morning till I put my head on the pillow. I mean, the enemy's crafty too. He, he says it different ways, but, but it's constant in my brain, this lie of believing, Adrian, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You... There's no way, there's no way that you can be a good enough husband. There's no way you can be a good enough father. There's no way you can lead other, be a pastor. There's no way. Everyone knows it, Adrian. Everyone sees it. Everyone knows what a failure you are. I hear it every day in my life. It's the lie. It's the lie. But listen, by recognizing that, right? By stepping back and acknowledging that that's a lie, that's not true. What happens? What happens? What, what, what we cannot, what, what is the, the quote from earlier? We cannot change what we do not confront. So by having the courage to confront and saying, wait a second, wait a second, that's, that's a lie. That's a, that's a thought that is toxic. That's a thought that's eroding, corroding every relationship I have. It's stealing my joy. It's robbing me of God's purpose and his mission for my life. So by stepping back and identifying that there's a lie, there's power now. There's power in coming out from under that lie and saying, wait, that thought is not true. So what's next in my life? Well, next I have to go to God's word and say, well, God, man, that's a lie, but, but what do you say is true? What do you say is true in God's word? You know what God's word says? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So in some ways, God's, God's saying, Adrian, on your own strength, you won't be enough. But in my strength, you are enough. 
You are enough because my power is at work in you. What else does God's word say in Romans chapter 8? It says that, that God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So, so when I'm believing the lie and saying I am not enough, I'm actually living my life in opposition to the truth of God's word because God says, oh, if you, if you love me and if you're in relationship with me, I will work for your good according to my will. And so I come out from under the lie and I believe God's word is true. And then what happens in my life? Well, I proclaim that truth over my life. When I wake up in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, instead of turning on the news, Instead of looking, did the Red Sox win last night? Instead of doing this, sometimes mindless things, sometimes they're good things, but that's, what do I do? I begin my day with that truth. What does God say about me? What does God, God says today, I am enough. I wake up and I feel it immediately. I feel anxiety rising. I'm not enough. I don't have enough time today. We don't have enough money. We don't have, I feel that rising up within me and I stop and say, wait, wait, wait. God said that his strength in me is perfect. He says that he will work for my good if I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. And so moment by moment, as I hear these lies come into my mind, I stop and I declare what is true in that moment. And slowly, day by day, moment by moment, God's truth takes root. God's truth begins to make a new pathway in my mind. I begin to take that thought, that lie captive and literally by God's strength, make it obedient. I'm not going to think that today. That's not what God's word says is true about me. Taking every thought captive means we take control of what we think. We think intentionally, not accidentally. I'm going to say that again. We think intentionally, not accidentally. Remember Remember the truth of 2 Corinthians 10. Remember the truth. What does it say? The weapons that we fight with in Christ, the weapons that we fight with, what? What are they? They have the divine power to demolish strongholds. God's power at work in you, in your mind, has the power to demolish strongholds. So the question today is, what is the stronghold for you? What is the stronghold today? If, if the power of Christ in us has, has the power to demolish strongholds, what is the stronghold today in your mind? What is it? Today, we're gonna, we're gonna do something a little bit different. We're gonna take some time to practice 2 Corinthians 2, to put these words into practice. I, I just believe that, first of all, I believe this is a concept and an idea that is so hard for us sometimes because we live in a world that's so concrete and we think that way, and we see everything, and we just respond to that, but, but we, we minimize so often what's happening in our mind, and we minimize the battle, the war within our minds. So because of that, I, I really felt led this morning to take a little bit of extra time. In just a few minutes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a few minutes quiet and praying, and I'm going I'm to spend a little bit of time today listing a stronghold. Uh, several strongholds. Maybe, maybe this is a stronghold in your life today. Maybe it's not. But we're not going to just identify the stronghold today for, for just a few minutes in the quiet and stillness of this place. We're going to declare truth over strongholds in our life. 
We're going to declare truth. We're not going to just stop at step one and saying, well, that's the stronghold. That's the lie. No, no, no. We're going to take it a step further. We're going to say, well, what does God say about that? Not just what is the lie, but what is the truth in God's word? And we're going to invite his presence. We're going to invite his power at work in us to help us demolish the strongholds. That we're not going to waste another day losing a battle that we can win by his strength, by his power. I'm not, I'm not going to live my life one more day defeated. I'm not going to let my joy be robbed one more day. I want to walk in victory. And if that's you today, I, I believe this is, this is a moment, an opportunity. So, so Risa's going to come and she's going to help us in just a minute sing a song. But would you, would you join me, church, for a minute? Would you close your eyes for a minute with me and just remove distraction? Man, the message on our mind, talk about distraction, Right? There's so many things right now we could be thinking about and so many things, maybe important things that are vying for our attention. But church, would you just join me for for just a minute in inviting the presence of the Lord? He's already here, but would you invite the presence of the Lord? The same God that says, there's divine power today divine power to demolish strongholds. That same God is here with us. He's here in us today. And and so as we just spend a moment quieting our hearts, in just a moment, I'm I'm gonna share stronghold and maybe today you wanna respond. I think we all can respond today somehow. Maybe today, as I share a specific stronghold, maybe, maybe the Lord would prompt you to just stand. And by standing, you're literally saying, I'm going to stand. I'm not going to be defeated anymore. I'm not going to allow this lie, this stronghold to take root anymore. Today, I'm going to stand on the truth of what God says. Maybe in a minute, as I share a specific stronghold, you, you may want to come to the altar and just kneel and in, in a holy moment a sacred space, just come before a holy God and say, God, I'm, I surrender. I trust you. Would you help me win this battle in my mind? Maybe you just want to turn your chair into an altar, but this is, this is just sacred space and sacred time for us. So, so let's begin. Today, maybe the stronghold in your mind is this, God doesn't exist. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's the lie. The moment you wake up in the morning, the doubt because of your circumstances around you, you feel that battle raging in your mind today. And today that stronghold, it says God doesn't exist. Well, what does God, God's word say about that? What is true today? Psalm 14 says this, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Later, the psalmist says this, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal his knowledge. That stronghold, God doesn't exist. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jeremiah says this, you will seek me Find me, the Lord says, when you seek me with all your heart. 
So for the one wrestling with that stronghold today, God, we declare your truth. We declare your truth. For some today, maybe the stronghold in your, in your mind is this, I'll never know God's will for me. He has abandoned me. Maybe today that's the lie you've believed for too long. Believing God doesn't have a plan for you. Believing that he's far from you today. If that's the lie that you've believed, would you lean in for just a moment with me? Would you believe the truth? What does the truth say? The truth says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, submit your life to him and he will make your path straight. He will show you his will. Isaiah 41 says this, fear not, fear not, I am with you. Don't be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hebrews 13, the Lord said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Today, if that's the lie, would you replace it with truth? Would you receive what God said is true about you today? He has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. Today, maybe the stronghold, maybe the stronghold as we're praying today, maybe the stronghold you believe for far too long is that God ignores my prayers. He doesn't hear me. You feel like you're praying and nothing's happening. You feel like you're begging and pleading and the lie that you would believe is God's not listening to you. Well, what does God's word say about that? God's word says in 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, not my will, but according to his will, he hears us. The prayer of the righteous, James 5 says, it is powerful, it is effective. Luke 11, Jesus himself said this, I tell you, Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. The door will be open. Maybe today you would have the courage to replace that lie with the truth of what God says. Some today, the stronghold that you believe for far too long is that you're a failure and you always will be. Maybe today, if that's you, you just want to kneel where you are. You want to stand where you are. You, you want to just take a moment in the midst of the battle to declare truth. Maybe the lie you believe for so long is that you're a failure and you always will be. What does God's word say about that? What does God say is true? God says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not a failure. In Christ's strength, I can do all things. What does God's word say is true? God's word says, I don't want self-confidence anyway. I want my confidence to be in him. Jeremiah 17 says, blessed, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and who have made the Lord their hope 
in their confidence. Jesus said he must be greater and I must be less. And so, Lord, for the one who has battled that stronghold long enough today, we declare that our hope and our confidence is in you, that we will not believe the lie anymore that we're a failure. Because in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we are enough today. A couple more, maybe today, the lie you've believed for so long is that God will not meet your needs. You wake up in the morning and you're overwhelmed and you're anxious and your circumstances are screaming at you. God can't be trusted. He won't meet your needs if that's you today. What is the truth? What is the truth? What does God say about that? Jesus himself in Matthew 6 said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Jesus taught us to pray. How did he teach us to pray? He he said, your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Philippians 4, 19 says, God will meet all our needs according to his riches. Today, if that's the lie, we proclaim the truth that God, he will provide today what I need. He will give me today my daily bread. He will give me right now in this moment exactly what I need. I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow, but today I trust the truth. God can be trusted. He is my provider. Today, maybe the lie that you've believed is this, that lust will always be a part of my life. It will always be my reality. But what does Romans 6 say? Romans 6 says that our old self was crucified so that we're no longer a slave to sin anymore. That's the truth. We don't have to be slaves to sin because of Christ. What does 1 Corinthians 10 say? It says no temptation. It doesn't matter what temptation we face. No temptation has overtaken us except what is common. And God is faithful in our temptation. He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And and when you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So if that's the lie today, that the stronghold of sin, the stronghold of temptation is just too strong, today declare the truth of what God says of what God says. Finally, maybe today, a stronghold for you is that other people can trust God for a bright and hopeful future, but not not me. Not me. I can't trust him. I, I don't have a future. There's no hope on the horizon for me. And if that's the stronghold today, if that's the lie that the enemy has beaten you up with time and time again, today we declare the truth of Philippians 4. I will not be anxious today about anything, but in every situation I'm in, every circumstances that I face by prayer and by petition with thanksgiving, I'm going to present my requests to God in your peace, God, which transcends, it goes beyond anything I can understand. It will guard my heart and it will guard my mind in Christ Jesus. What does 1 Peter 5 say? Cast 
all my cares on you, Lord, because you care for me. What does Romans 8 say? If God is for us, who can be against us today? Father in heaven, we declare truth. We declare truth. We will not let the lies of the enemy beat us up anymore. We will not be passive anymore. We will not just allow these thoughts that enter into our brains to take us captive. No, no, no. Today, we take our stand. Today, we rely on your strength, your strength that has the power to demolish arguments and demolish every pretense, every argument that would come in the face of what is true. And today, we declare your truth over our lives. Set us free, God. Change our minds and change our lives. Church, let's stand. Would you stand with me now as we pray, as we sing? God, transform us. Be near. Draw us close to your heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.